Thank you for joining us for this podcast from College Church of the Nazarene, University Avenue. The following was recorded live on location in Bourbonnais, Illinois. Well, there was uh, <clears throat> way too much good news today, wouldn't you say? No. There was just so much good news today, almost too much for just one Sunday. So much good news. There's probably too much to appreciate, too much to absorb, and maybe too much good news to even believe. Almost too good to be true. Because there was so much good news this morning, I'm going to do a quick summary of what we read. When, a quick summary of the good news in this morning's scripture. And I know that sounds a little bit formidable, but this really won't take too long. And I'll even skip the psalm, which, which was a call for thanksgiving and praise because of God's faithfulness. Right? We were told in the psalm to sing and to glory in his holy name because God remembered the promise he gave to Abraham. And therefore, by implication, God remembers the promises he has given to us. We'll skip that good news in the psalm and move right to the epistle because there's so much there. Are you ready? You might want to get your Bibles and follow along just to make sure. Romans 8 is what we're going to start with this morning. Here's what we were told today in just today's reading, and we're going to get right to it. Romans 8, 26, and Tom is going to be putting those scriptures on the screen for you as well. The very first verse of our Romans reading, in the very first verse, we were told that God the Holy Spirit prays for us, prays for you by name. Yeah, thank you for that. Thanks be to God, right? Let's just stay there for a minute. In the very first verse of our Romans reading, we were told that God the Holy Spirit prays for us. Not only that, but that the Holy Spirit prays for us at a very particular time. Now, he certainly prays for us, but the Apostle Paul wanted us to know more than that. The Apostle Paul wanted us to know that when we are at our weakest, when we don't know what to pray, when we don't even know how to pray, that's when the Spirit steps in and does the praying for us. Isn't that absolutely amazing? And then Paul told us, the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And what the Holy Spirit prays for, what the Holy Spirit does, is intercede for God's people, that's us, in full harmony with God's will for God's people, so that what the Holy Spirit is praying for us is that God's will would be fully realized in us, and it's the Holy Spirit doing the praying for us. And he does that when we can't pray, when we don't know how to pray, when we are just lost at praying. That's when the Holy Spirit prays for us. So when we are least able to pray, the Holy Spirit starts praying for us or continues praying for us. Isn't that amazing? Can you believe that? Do you believe that? All right, I need to let you know, on the front end, I'm going to be saying, do you believe that? Can you believe that? 29 more times this morning in this message. So you can keep track of how long the message is going to be in response to the overwhelming good news found in the scriptures today. But before you hear it 29 more times, I need you to know that I'm not asking, when I say, do you believe it, can you believe it, I'm not asking that as a rhetorical question. No, I'm really asking, if you believe what the Bible is telling us, if you can believe what the Bible says, I'm going to be asking, as God as your witness, do you believe it? Can you believe it? And the reason I'm asking if you, if you really do believe, is because it's kind of hard to believe sometimes. 
We can start with what we read right here in Romans 8.26. That it is when we are at our wits end, when we don't know how to pray and don't even know what to pray and can't even pray, that's when God the Holy Spirit takes over and prays for us. Who believes that? Do you believe that? Can you believe that? As God as your witness, do you believe that? Can you believe that? That's just one verse so far. I mean, we could stop there. That's pretty good news. We should just spend the rest of the week thinking about that. But then we were told, in light of the Holy Spirit praying for us when we can't pray, and praying for us that God's will will be done in God's people, then we were told in Romans 8.28, and you know what Romans 8.28 is, we were told that God works everything out for the good of his people. Then we were told that God redeems everything, that God is not constrained by circumstances. We were told that he can bring good out of evil. We were told that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Somebody say amen. That's, that's amazing. In other words, he can take the messes we make and the messes that are visited on us, and he can bring good out of it all. Personal testimony here. When I have found myself in really difficult circumstances, when I have been visited with pain and misfortune, and when I have visited pain and misfortune on myself, my prayer has not been, why me? I don't, I don't pray, why me? It rains on the just and the unjust. My prayer always is, so God, how are you going to redeem this? How are you going to bring good out of this? And that's amazing. That God can bring good out of evil. That in all things, God works for the good. Do you believe that? Can you believe that? As God is your witness. Do you believe that? Can you believe that? That's not all. There's more good news. Romans 8, 29. This might be even harder to believe. According to the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, 29, and not only here, in other places, God foreknew and predestined us to be like Jesus. So that Jesus would be the first Jesus with a lot of brothers and sisters who would come after him who would be just like him. In other words, God knew way before we were born that we were destined to be like his son. And that's what the Holy Spirit is praying for us. And that's really amazing. That before we were born, God knew us and willed us, desired us to be conformed to the image of his son. But that's not all. Not only did God know beforehand that our destiny was going to be Christ-likeness, not only did God know ahead of time, not only did God predestine us, and I'm just repeating what the Bible is saying, Romans 8, 30, those he determined would be like him, he also called. So it wasn't as if they had to make their way to God. Those he foreknew and predestined he called so they would know that they were known and chosen. This isn't their idea. This isn't our idea. Those God foreknew and predestined and called, this was God's idea. This was his doing, according to Paul in Romans 8.30. And that's not all. Those God called, he also made right. He justified 
He restored and repaired the relationship between God and them, God and us, so that we have been made right by the God who has called us and predestined us and knew all about us before we ever knew him. So because of God's foreknowledge and will and call and justification, there is no barrier between us and those God has called. That's really remarkable news. The, but but that's, that's not even where the verse ends. Those God justified, he also glorified, according to the Bible. And what Paul is saying here is, it's as if the work of God is already completed in us. Those God foreknew and predestined and called and justified have already been glorified, at least as far as God is concerned. They're as holy as they're ever going to be, even before they are. We're already who we are going to be, according to Romans 8.30. It's as if it's already been done. You're glorified. That's what Romans 8.30 says. And if you want to argue about this, argue with the Lord. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And this is absolutely amazing. That God is completing his work in us, that what he began, he's finishing. Do you believe it? Can you believe it? As God as, as, God as your witness, do you believe this? Can you believe this? Which is why Romans 8 began as it did. Romans 8, 1 began with this unequivocal promise. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, that is the work that Jesus came to do for us. Reconcile us to God and conform us to the likeness of himself. And according to Paul in Romans 8, it's going to get done. This is absolutely amazing. God is going to complete the work in us. That what he began, he's finishing. There's no condemnation for us. Do you believe it? Can you believe it? As God, as your witness, can you believe it? Do you believe it? That's not all. In Romans 8, 31. In light of God's determined will to do all of this for us, how can we ever think, how would we ever think that God could ever be against us? God is for us, period. God is for us, period. And that is absolutely amazing. Do you believe it? Can you believe it? As God is your witness, do you believe it? That he is for you and not against you. As God is your witness, can you believe that God is for you and not against you? That's amazing. That's pretty good news. And of course, the evidence for all of this is Jesus, according to Paul in 8.32. Not only has God given us Jesus, didn't spare his son, gave us Jesus according to to the Apostle Paul, according to the Bible, he's going to give us all things. He's going to give us everything we need. We will lack nothing. He gave us Jesus. Why wouldn't he give us everything else after that? That is absolutely amazing. Do you believe that? Can you believe that? As God, as your witness, do you believe that? Can you believe that? It all is ours. We who God has known and willed and called and justified and glorified, 
I mean, there is just so much good news today. It's almost too much for one Sunday. I should probably end here, but I'm not going to, but I probably should. That's, there's so much good news because th- there's even more than that. Romans 8.34. Not only is the Holy Spirit praying for us, Jesus Christ, the one who died and was raised from the dead. I mean, talk about power. Jesus, the resurrected one. Not only is the Holy Spirit praying for us, Jesus is praying for us. Jesus, the Son of God, is at the right hand of God interceding for us right now. Right now, you're being prayed for by the Son of God who was raised from the dead. So let me ask you, how effectual do you think Jesus' prayers are? I mean, James tells us that the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. I mean, if anybody's prayers are powerful and effective, don't you think Jesus's would be? And if Jesus is praying for us, what do we have to worry about? That's pretty amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Do you believe that? Can you believe that? As God is your witness, do you believe it? Can you believe it? No, we're not done. Turn the page. Which leads to one and only conclusion. One and only one conclusion. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Love of Christ. Shall trouble? Or hardship? Or persecution? Or famine? Or nakedness? Or danger? Or sword? No. No, in all these things... We are conquerors. I'm sorry. Nope. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of Christ our Lord. Nothing is more amazing than that. Do you believe that? Can you believe that? As God is your witness, do you believe that? Can you believe that? Nine different good news pronouncements in Romans 8 that we read this morning. And that's just the epistle reading. We heard some more good news in the gospel. I mean, we've been listening to the good news of the gospel for three weeks now out of Matthew 13. And in Matthew 13, 8, we were told that two weeks ago, for example, we heard that the seed that falls on good soil will produce 160 and 30 times what was sown. Now, thank you, Pastor Joel and Pastor Sherry and Pastor Zach and Pastor Marvin for so ably fulfilling this pulpit while we're gone. It's easy to leave when you have such wonderful preachers at College Church. Thank you for this. Three weeks ago, Two weeks ago, we heard that the seed that that falls in good soil will produce 160, 30 times what was sown. Now, sure, some seed fell on hard and thorny and rocky soil. Sure, that's not the point of the parable. Of course, some seed will not germinate. That's to be expected. What's amazing is that there's some good soil out there that's going to more than make up for the seed that fell on unreceptive soil. That's what's amazing. What's amazing is that there are those who will be receptive to the gospel, so receptive that they will multiply that one seed 100 times, 60 times, and at the very least 30 times, which is why Jesus told us to pray for the workers because there's a lot of good soil out there waiting to be sown. Do you believe that? Can you believe that? 
I'm thinking some of us think it's all hard, rocky, and, and thorny. Some of us, I think, think there's no good soil out there at all. So Jesus said, as God is your witness, do you believe that there's good soil out there ready to receive the good news of the gospel? Can you believe that? And then we were told last week in the parable of the wheat and the weeds that we didn't have to worry about weeding out the weeds, that that was God's job. I mean, we can just focus on being good wheat and let God worry about the weeds. What a relief. That is such good news. We don't have to be the, the police. We can just be who we are. We can let the beauty and the power of the gospel speak for itself. That's good news. That's amazing. Do you believe that? Can you believe that? As God is your witness, do you believe you don't have to do the weeding? And then today's gospel, which was even more good news. Almost too much for one Sunday, would you say? This is way too much. We should have kind of spread this out over the rest of the summer because this is way too much to absorb. Way too much good news. Then we were told that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, little tiny seed. The thing about mustard plants is it doesn't require a whole lot of nurturing for them to grow. They grow like weeds. Kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Little tiny seed grows like a weed and becomes such a large plant that it provides a home for all of God's creation. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. That too is amazing. Do you believe that? Can you believe that? As God is your witness... Do you believe the kingdom is like a mustard seed that's just going to grow and become the biggest of all plants? As God is your witness, can you believe that? The kingdom is not only like a mustard seed, it's also like yeast, which, just, which means it permeates everything, which means the kingdom of heaven is thoroughly transformative. It works into every nook and cranny. That's amazing good news again. Do you believe that? Can you believe that? As God, as your witness, can you believe that? Do you believe that? I mean, there's so much good news this morning. Anybody know how many, good, how many times I've asked it yet? Anybody keeping track? I'll tell you, 28. We're at 28, in case you want to know. How would we summarize all of this? How about this way? Evidently, God is going to accomplish God's purposes. Evidently, the kingdom of God has come, is coming, and will come, and has come, and is coming, and will come in you. How about we summarize it that way? God is not going to be denied. Evidently, God is going to accomplish God's purposes. Said the texts this morning, do you believe that? Can you believe that? As God is your witness, do you believe that? Can you believe that? Now we're at 30. So I must be wrapping it up. There's a reason I've asked you 30 times, do you believe that? Can you believe that? The reason I've asked you it so many times is because there's a little more to the story. A little more of the story that we did not read today. You see, after Jesus told all of those kingdom parables, which were kind of hard to believe, 
I mean, but which were such good news parables about the kingdom. This is what happened next. We didn't read it, but this is the next part, the next part of the story. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogues, and they were amazed. Which is why I said, isn't that amazing? They were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't, this, isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? And where did this man get all these things ready? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Now, we don't know what it is that Jesus taught in his hometown. But it's reasonable to assume that he was teaching pretty much the same thing he was teaching everywhere else. He was talking about the kingdom seed growing 160, 30 times at the very least. He was talking about the kingdom being like a mustard seed, even though it was the smallest of all seeds, it was going to grow and become the biggest of the plants. He was talking about the kingdom being like yeast and how it thoroughly it permeates everything it touches. And of course he was proclaiming the love of God because he was love incarnate. So here's the rest of the story. And this is part is not the good news. They didn't believe any of it. They didn't believe any of it. And not only did they not believe it, they took offense at the good news. And here is a result of their disbelief. Here was the judgment. Jesus did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Do you believe they didn't believe? Can you believe they couldn't believe? And for that reason... Because they didn't, couldn't, wouldn't believe. They frustrated God's purposes. The reason I asked you 30 separate times this morning, well, 31, if you did believe or if you could believe, and I've said everything I've said so far to say this, is because faith is the key that unlocks the truth and power of all of Jesus' promises. Our refusal to believe not only blinds us to the truth and beauty of those promises, it makes those promises ineffectual as far as we're concerned. If we don't believe they're not true for us, if we do believe they are, it is faith that makes them effectual. We're missing it if we don't believe. But if we do believe, it's all ours. So I'm going to ask you another 13 questions. Not the 13 different ones, 13 of the same. But this is really the more important question. Will you believe that God the Holy Spirit is praying for you? Will you believe that? What a difference in our lives if we just would believe that. And when you can't pray the most, believe the Holy Spirit is praying the most. And will you believe that God is working for your good in all things? What a difference in our lives if we would just believe that. And will you believe that God is conforming you to the image of his son? What a difference in our lives if we could just believe that God is completing his work in us. 
You believe that God knew you, predestined you, called you, justified you, glorified you. In other words, is doing all of his good work in you. What a difference in our lives if we would just believe that. Will you believe that God is not condemning of you who are in Christ Jesus? Will you kick Satan's voice out of your head? God is not condemning of you. What a difference in our lives if we could just believe that. Will you believe that God is for you and not against you? And will you interpret the circumstances of your lives not in the context of the circumstance, but in the context of God being for you. Will you not allow the circumstances of your life tell you about God? Will you allow God to tell you about the circumstances of your life? Will you believe that God is for you? What a difference in our lives if that we could just believe that. And will you believe that the God who gave us his son will not withhold anything from us, has given us everything, so there is nothing that we lack. What a difference in our lives if we would just believe that. And will you believe that not only is the Holy Spirit praying for you, so is Jesus, the Son of God himself, praying for you. What a difference in our lives if we would just believe that God, the Son, who rose from the dead is powerfully praying for us. And will you believe that nothing will ever stop God from loving you? What a difference it would make in our lives if we'd believe that. And will you believe that there's good soil out there ready to multiply the kingdom 160 at the very least 30 times what was sown. What a difference in our lives and our perspective if we just believe there's good soil out there. People yearning to hear. And will you believe that God is perfectly capable of doing the weeding? What a difference in our lives if we just let God do the God thing and we just kept our mind on us. And will you believe that the kingdom is like a mustard seed and it's going to grow in others and in us? What a difference in our lives if we could just believe that. And will you believe that the kingdom is like leaven and it just invades Everything it touches. What a difference in our lives if we would believe that. Will you believe and make effectual all of those truths in your life? So may it not be said about us what was said about the people in Jesus' hometown. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Let that not be said of us. May there be no lack of faith here. So here's the message in one word. Believe. Believe. And the Lord gave us a reminder. I mean, every week we're supposed to sit at his table and hear from him. He gave us a sign as the promise 
reminder of his love and grace and kindness in the form of eating symbols of his flesh and symbols of his blood. He didn't want us to forget the good news which is embodied in the sacrament. And so would you share with somebody the sacrament this morning? of this bread and juice be your commitment to believe do you believe yeah mostly can you believe I'm trying will you believe let this be your determination with all of God's grace may this be your testimony to your Lord that you will believe let's pray Father in heaven, would you forgive us for our lack of faith? Lord, would you help us in our unbelief? Would you forgive us for believing more the circumstances of our lives instead of the character of you? Would you forgive us for thinking that you have forgotten that you will not keep your promises, Lord? you forgive us for not being thankful that we serve a God who is Lord of every circumstance would you would you let us believe again this morning would you help us to believe what you told us today and would that mustard seed of faith grow big And may that leaven of faith just permeate everything. And so, Lord, as we receive this bread as a sign of your love and grace, as we drink this juice as evidence of the extent of your love, may it empower us to believe We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're reminded that in the same night that our Lord was betrayed, he did take bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this never forgetting me. After supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of this, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as oft as ye shall drink it, always remembering me. People of God, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was broken for you, May it preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, 
No, I somebody say amen. Blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you. May it preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you, and let us be grateful. And so, Lord, we testify to your incarnation in the eating of bread and in the drinking of juice. We confess to the goodness of your creation that you created it. We confess that we need you to embody yourself in us. So, Lord, may your flesh and your blood be our flesh. May your blood flow through our veins. Thank you, Lord for these incredible promises. Oh, Lord, give us the faith to believe. We pray these things in Jesus' name. You've been listening to a podcast from College Church of the Nazarene, University Avenue. If you care to join us for worship, we meet each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at 200 University Avenue in Bourbonnais, Illinois. We also offer a full range of activities, classes, small group meetings, and events throughout the week. For a complete list of what's going on at College Church or for more information on how you can get involved, please go to www.collegechurch.org.